facts. In a talent market that is more competitive and less understood than any other time in history, it's the facts that matter. Welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that delivers the facts, the latest research and data on the key issues and opportunities facing talent acquisition and HR professionals. Welcome, everyone, to Start Smart, the podcast that's all about the facts in talent acquisition. And here's a fact. The fact is that talent technology is absolutely critical to effective talent acquisition in today's talent market. But acquiring talent technology is only half the challenge. The other half of the challenge is effective implementation making sure that the technology that you acquire is actually used effectively by the recruiting team. So we're going to talk about that today, and I'm very fortunate to have as my guest Mona Tawakali, who is the Chief Strategy Officer at Recruitix and also a member of the TA Tech Board of Advisors. So welcome, Mona. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's terrific to have you here. So let's begin with a little bit of information about yourself and Recruitix. Tell us about your role and and what the company does. Absolutely. So um, I currently hold the position of Chief Strategy Officer at Recruitix. And in my role, I'm responsible for overseeing the strategic marketing direction for all of Recruitix customers. I came to Recruitix by way of the KRT marketing acquisition uh, almost exactly four years ago, where I owned and operated that business alongside my uh, business partner, Ryan Christoy. I'm coming up on my 15th year with the combined organization, which is crazy to think about. And, you know, it's it's been an incredible ride. You know, Recruitix, for those of you who aren't familiar with us, we were founded about 11 years ago in 2012. Uh, We first hit the scene and were known as the founders of programmatic ad buying technology in the job world. And since then, in the the past 11 years, we've evolved quite a bit. Uh, Today, Recruitix is a data-driven recruitment marketing agency with an innovative AI-powered recruitment marketing technology platform called ION. Our goal in life is to make it easy for the world's leading brands to attract and hire great talent. Um, We deliver recruitment marketing solutions to some of the most well-known brands around the globe, including candidate targeting and acquisition, applicant nurturing and engagement, employer branding, career sites, programmatic advertising, data analytics, and so much more. So that's a little bit about me and uh, Recruitix. Terrific. Thank you for that. So as I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about the introduction of talent technology in the most effective way possible. And in particular for this show, we want to focus on the recruiting team's effective adoption of new talent technology. So let's begin at the beginning. What, what in your view, how would you define effective adoption? Is it meeting the KPIs that justify the acquisition of the technology in the first place? Is it that plus something else, all of the above, none of the above? What, what is your definition? I'll give you a yes and. Uh, KPIs are obviously very important. To put it simply, effective adoption shows users and engagement with whatever the technology is going up and to the right and not the other way around. And, you know, that requires a number of variables to make that happen. Obviously, we look at user utilization rates and engagement 
But user satisfaction is really, really important when it comes to adoption of technology. If they don't like it, and if it's not making their lives better, then they're likely not going to use it. And, and we all know as humans, people hate change, especially in process. So um, user satisfaction, I, I would put up at the top of the list of things to focus on when thinking about getting the best ROI out of an investment. You know, obviously in our world, integration into workflows are incredibly important. So finding technologies that work well with the overarching tech stack do help with utilization and engagement rates. You know, I, I see that the long-term sustainability of some of these tools is really based on, you know, the company's willingness to listen to user feedback and innovate based on how the power users are using it, where they see the value and where they see opportunity for improvement. Yeah, I think that word sustained is really important. In most cases, when you introduce technology, you get kind of a bump, a honeymoon period. But at the end of the day, what we're looking for is sustained effective usage. And, and that means making sure that recruiters don't revert to old habits. You know, as you were saying, we, we all, uh, most humans don't like change, so it's easy to slip back into old habits. But equally as important, given recent trends in recruiter turnover, it's making sure that new members of the team kind of get the bug, if you will, get get engaged and, and involved in using the technology effectively. Yeah, that's such that's such a good point. And, you know, obviously getting existing recruiters to change user behaviors is, is obviously the most difficult part of it as you're bringing in new members of the recruiting team into the organization, this essentially becomes part of the training and how you do your job. So I almost see that the turnover makes it easier for user adoption because they don't know any differently in that case. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, what you don't know, you, you know, can't bother you. So that's great. Okay. So we're going to, we're, we're in agreement that really what we're talking about when we, we say effective adoption is user satisfaction to your point, and sustained effective usage over time. So based on your experience with all those clients that you were talking about, what, what is the single most important factor in determining whether or not a company's adoption of new technology is effective or is successful, I should say? What I've seen time and time again is if you have one person or a team that is obsessed with the success of this technology and getting the ROI out of the investment, that's where uh, we see engagement rates start to grow and adoption rates start to grow. You need a quarterback and someone who is so excited about it. And you know, typically what we also see happen is Implementing this technology is solving a problem and solving that problem has been identified as a key strategic initiative by the organization, a named initiative on the board, whether it's an OKR framework or whatever strategic planning framework you use. So it's a named North Star goal. Um, you have one person that is the quarterback and obsessed with making it work and, you know, having that person really push for the user behavior that they're looking for. Oftentimes it's, you know, that person that's really excited about it and believes in the dream and sees the vision. And then, you know, pairing that person also with maybe a project management team that, that really specializes in change management and how to go through that process in a logical way. 
Um, so I'd say I'd start there. But again, you know, I, I always say that don't buy technology to have a shiny new tool because it is the new innovative thing. Innovation is only impactful when it's truly solving a problem that you have. And so keep it focused on, on the why and have that person that is obsessed, the quarterback, make sure that they have a really tight story down about why this is important and why this is going to make the user's life better. And, you know, they need to keep referring back to that North Star because, again, sometimes it's, you know, something new and different and people get excited about it. But when they realize they have to change behavior, it takes time, it takes more work to get them used to this new way of doing it, they stop doing it. So you have to have that constant person with the fire in them uh, to, to keep to keep the flame alive. Yeah, I, I want to come back to that communications with passion because I think it's so important. But I saw a journal article recently it was in Science Direct. Uh, and they were talking about recruiters' use of AI, but I think we can tease out a more general uh, application of the article. And they found that, again, with AI, adoption was most often influenced by recruiters' expectations regarding how much the technology was going to be helpful. Uh, now, for AI, the, the measurements were efficiency and time savings. But I think, you know, with technology generally, not just AI, if recruiters have an expectation, if that passionate champion that you were talking about can convince people that this is really going to be good for them in a concrete way, there's a much higher probability that, that the adoption will be successful. And by the way, that study that uh, that I'm referencing was in computer and human behavior, uh, but it found that that finding regarding the importance of recruiter expectations was true regardless of gender, age, or experience. So it really was important to find that internal champion and then to find a way for he or she to demonstrate their passion through communications over and over and over again. So this expectation is built up. Yes, I, I couldn't agree with that more. And, you know, having that clearly defined as you know, the what's in it for me. And that's gonna change when you think about, you know, implementing different types of technology that require um, different teams and departments to utilize it um, to get the best ROI out of that investment. You know, that story might be different by department. So be prepared to tailor the story to your audience. And, you know, oftentimes with technology, obviously it's to your point, you said efficiency and time saving. Talk to them about what that will free their time up to be able to do. Oftentimes, you know, if you can say, wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to do all these tactical things all day long and you can focus on being strategic and, and um, you know, bringing more impact and value in the role that you're in, wouldn't it be great if you could do that? Well, there is something that can help you do that. And here it is. That tends to get a lot of buy-in from the users as well. You know, I recently did a blog post uh on an ancillary point to that thought. And that is, if in fact, recruiters have not been able to do things that now technology is gonna be able, uh, enable them to do, to be more strategic, as you put it, to do the kinds of things that we all believe recruiters do best, 
The fact that they haven't been able to do that as much in the past means that those skills have degraded, that those skills haven't been as uh, freshened as they might have been. So in, in addition to thinking about the role that the technology can play, I think it's important to also think about reskilling or refreshing the skills of recruiters and those, thing, and those things we think are going to be of greatest strategic value once the technology begins to have an impact. So you, you mentioned that the story will change depending on who we are dealing with in the organization. Who, who are the stakeholders in, in uh, this, as you were describing it, this change management challenge that sometimes comes from implementing new technology? You know, it really depends on on the role the technology serves within the organization. Um, so that's kind of a difficult, broad stroke answer. Obviously, you have, you know, members of uh, the TA, the recruiting leadership team, the talent marketing leadership teams that need to make the business case for the investment to begin with. And that's part of how you build the investment into the strategic plan and give it the North Star focus. And, you know, you also have to think about those that are actually going to use it. Typically, I like to start with when we're advising companies on, on these investments and effective rollouts, you know, we like to talk about having pilot teams that, you know, you have your, your person that's obsessed, right? The one that is really dedicated to the success of the technology and the adoption rates. We have that person leading a small pilot group. These people are power users, they're meeting on a weekly basis, they're talking about the pros and cons, and they're working out the kinks before you start to broaden and roll out usage and adoption rates. And that tends to create more champions for that technology within that power user group. I also recommend if you can incentivize these teams for lending their time to making this a success and getting excited about it, that tends to work quite well because the others that have to adopt the new technology tend to really look to those that have credibility with, as an example, the hands-on keyboard people that are doing their work. How do you feel about it? How is it making your life better right now? And they feed off of whatever energy they bring to those engagements with the broader group that needs to adopt this technology. So it's all about you know, really kind of using <laughs> using these techniques around getting people really, really excited. And there's a couple of different ways we, we can do that. But I, I think going up to the, the broader point in question, it would start with what does the technology do and who's going to interact with it? And then you, you think about some of the key stakeholders from there. You mentioned incentivize the power users or the champions. What, what kind of incentives have you seen that have been effective? Um, cash is always good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, well there is that. Um, actually, literally tying quarterly incentives or annual incentives to the success, adoption, and ROI of some of these investments that you're making to make the organization better. I see people tying bonuses to some of these things quite often. There are organizations that um, provide, you know, credits to a swag store or an extra couple of vacation days to thank them for their time. Or, you know, it could be any number of things, but oftentimes when there's a, when there's a carrot and you're giving them something to work towards, the work somehow gets done. So in, in your experience then, uh, given that they've got this 
shining opportunity at the end of the path. Do organizations see this as an additional duty, as something that they do in addition to their ongoing job, or do they actually shred out some time so that uh, the person can focus on it? It's always nice when you can carve out some time. Uh, generally, this is a, a side project on top of a very full day job. So that's where you know you really need to ensure that you have someone that's dedicated to the success of it because it's too easy to get busy in your day job and the other things that are really important and the other KPIs that are measured related to the success of, of your current role. So I, I'd also say for those champions and individuals that are, are, that are the ones that are obsessed and getting everyone excited about the process, um, you know, that's a really good visibility and leadership opportunity for them. And so, you know, being able to um, pre present back to the business the impact that this investment has made on process, on time, on efficiency, whatever problem it is that you're looking to solve with this, you know, it's a great opportunity for you to get visibility and present findings and the success of the work that you're you're invested in, in addition to your day job. Given how important this person is, when should they be included or get involved with the whole acquisition of the new technology? Should they be a part of the acquisition team, for example? As soon as possible, as soon as possible. And oftentimes the person that's the champion is the one that's taking the call from the salesperson, doing the demo and bringing it to more people you know, to, to try and make the business case for, for the investment. So oftentimes they're there to begin with, or they took the call. Um, if not, if you really need someone, if you know that you can identify someone on your team, that's going to be the champion in terms of driving something forward, bring them in as soon as possible and allow them to not only evaluate, you know, the technology that you're, you're looking at, but have them be a part of the research process so that you can compare different tools get their opinion about which ones they like and why and what would work best within the current org structure and tech stack. You know, I think the more you can involve them in the decision-making process, the more committed to the success they will be. What about hiring managers? Do you think they, I mean, obviously they get the output of whatever process or products are affected by the new technology. Should, should, uh, should they be involved? It's, it's an interesting question. From my seat, the advantage of working for a company with a lot of data at its fingertips is that, you know, we can start to establish baselines and benchmarks around what the KPIs should be. As an example, if the tool is meant to attract talent, maybe it's a referral tool as an example, uh, we know that we're paying a certain amount of money to acquire talent in the current marketing program. So if we're able to bring on a referral tool, that creates more efficiency, drives better quality. We have a number of things that we can point to to signal the success of the investment. And you know, if we're able to then show that to the hiring managers and get their buy-in around, okay, we're driving greater efficiency in the overarching talent acquisition program through implementing this technology, they will continue to be advocates for it and support the investment moving forward. So, you know, I think hiring managers play an important role because ultimately that's who you serve at the end of the day. And again, if you're putting together a pilot group, perhaps it's in partnership with a, with a hiring manager that can almost 
provide a, a testimonial for the work that you're doing within the, the early days of that program that will help you tell the story more effectively to gain adoption moving forward. You know, I saw recently a study that was done by Joss Burson and AMS that found that the average time to fill is now up to 44 days. Now, obviously, it's a lot shorter for some kinds of jobs, particularly in hospitality, and it's a lot longer uh, for other kinds of jobs. Pediatric nurses springs to mind. So it's all over the waterfront, but it, but that's one metric that I think hiring managers can get really excited about. If, if this technology, to our point earlier uh, about efficiency and time savings, if this technology that you're bringing on board can help cut that time to fill, they're going to get on, they're going to get behind it in a hurry, I think. Absolutely. Cutting time to fill, reducing the number of applicants it takes to make a hire, increasing quality of applicants, um, you know, those are all really good things to point to, to, to measure the success and time to fill. We know there are actual hard costs and metrics associated with having a position open over a period of time. And, and so, you know, the more you can tie it back to cost savings, this investment is going to save us dollars here, the, the more people are going to be willing to continue to invest in that, in that product and program. Okay. So we, we've looked at this challenge from, you know, sort of the positive perspective. How do we make it happen and, and how do we make it happen successfully? Let's look at it from the other direction. And in, in your experience, what is the biggest stumbling block, uh, the biggest barrier to effective adoption? I think it goes back to defining your clear objectives. Have you clearly outlined your goals and objectives of implementing the new technology? If not, it's going to be difficult to gain an adoption rate because it will be one of many things that you're trying to get done throughout the course of the day. I'd say don't underestimate the impact of a user-centric experience and design of the technology is. In order to get people to really love and, and buy in to a new process, it has to be easy for them, make it easy. And, you know, I think that, again, I go back to the point that I made earlier, those or those companies that have been really invested in understanding how the users are using it, where they're seeing value, where they're not seeing value, where there's friction in the process and, and using that feedback to help roadmap new features, but then also improving the user experience tend to see longevity in the way companies invest and continue to invest over time. So it's all about the people and how are we making their lives better and continually reminding them of, of how their lives are getting better as a result of this. And, you know, having someone that, that is really specialized in change management helps, helps quite a bit. Um, if you have a PMO office that you can tap into for support on a project plan, an implementation plan, you know, that tends to help the success of it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, focusing on the user is important. And I think that we also have to recognize, as we said way back at the beginning of the show, that we humans aren't particularly fond of change. Uh, and I think it's important to just acknowledge that there is likely to be some resistance to change. Uh, you know, people, people are comfortable with, with habit and disrupting that habit is disconcerting and it is disruptive. And I think acknowledging that there is a 
challenge to helping people get past that as a part of any adoption uh, project uh, is important. Just, you know, don't go into this, don't go into the project, you know, all starry eyed. Isn't this going to be great? Everybody's going to automatically see the benefit and buy in. That's not likely to be the case in the real world. It's exactly like a workout program. You know, you're, you're excited to get started. You know that getting up every day and committing to it is hard and it gets less shiny as the days go on. And so um, tying it back to, to a goal and the why and being able to tell that why story really effectively all the time, to your point earlier, over communicate all the time and um, find the right metrics to, to prove to the business that it's working, it's doing what we want it to do. And, you know, here's how, and here's how it's working. Bring your homework. Okay. Well, we're nearing the end of the show. So I always like to ask our guests, is there any final thought or suggestion you'd like to leave our audience with? You know, I think just to summarize some of the, some of the points that we were talking about earlier, Peter, you know, there's been a historic amount of investment that's happening in HR and TA technology over the past couple of years. And that's resulted in, you know, our buyers becoming quite paralyzed with all the options, all the calls, all the solutions, all the shiny new toys. So, you know, it's an interesting time on the direct employer and the buyer side because there's just so much out there. You know, when you're looking at investing in a tool, don't innovate for the purpose of innovation, innovate to solve a problem. So ensure that, you know, it's laddering up to a strategic organizational goal that you have set. Identify your quarterbacks, make sure that they're as obsessed with the success of this investment as possible, and then incentivize their efforts. Again, gamifying usage is also a very good way to get people, you know, to get the engagement and adoption rates to go up and to the right, as we were talking about earlier. And so, you know, can you create contests amongst recruiting teams, regional teams around, you know, power users and those that are logging into the tool as many times as they can within the month? Those types of things start to just get them in there and used to it and excited about it. And so um, those are a couple of final suggestions or, um, or pieces of advice that I'd share for companies that are looking to bring new talent acquisition products into the organization. Thank you for that. And uh, I just want to remind everyone, uh, in case you joined us a little late, our guest has been Mona Tawakali, the Chief Strategy Officer at Recruitix. Uh, Mona, if people want to follow up with you or learn more about Recruitix, what's the best way to connect with you? Absolutely. So you can get a hold of me uh, by email, mona at recruitix.com. I'm also available on LinkedIn. Uh, Search for me, linkedin.com slash Mona Tawakali. And uh, if you want to learn more about Recruitix, it's Recruitix, R-E-C-R-U-I-T-I-C-S.com. There you go. Mona, thanks very much for joining us today. And to all of you who've listened to the show, we certainly appreciate it because starting smart is the best way to build technology into an effective talent acquisition program. And we hope this program has been helpful and that you'll come back for our next show. Thanks very much. Thanks again. That concludes this episode of Start Smart. Thanks very much for joining us and come back for our next episodes on the latest research that will help you shape your talent acquisition with the facts. See you then.